Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Recorded live. A-U-N, American Underground Network. The primary reason why the individual citizens of a country create a political structure is a subconscious wish or desire to perpetuate their own dependency relationship of childhood. Simply put, they want a human God to eliminate all risk from their life, pat them on the head, kiss their bruises, put a chicken on every dinner table, clothe their bodies, tuck them into bed at night, and tell them that everything will be all right when they wake up in the morning. This public demand is incredible, so the human God, the politician, meets incredibility with incredibility by promising the world and delivering nothing. So who is the bigger liar, the public or the godfather? All revolutions have been led by young people. If you just think of the TV images of whether it's Tiananmen Square or whether it's the uh, revolts in Central America or Europe, it's the young people, it's the college people who are more principled and not locked in and they're not embedded with the government. They are the ones who are concerned about the future because the future is theirs. My research has shown at this point that the future laid out for us may be just about impossible to change. I do not agree with the means by which the powerful few have chosen for us to reach the end. I do not agree that the end is where we should end at all. But unless we can wake the people from their sleep, nothing short of civil war will stop the planned outcome. It's the American Underground Network Collective Consciousness Show with Jim Condon, Jr. in Cincinnati, Ohio, Fred Smart in Evanston, Illinois, Steve Harris in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, live from Portland, Oregon, your host, Dee Dee Farrell. Yes, I am live, and it's 59 degrees here, Steve. <laughs> Great. Hello, everybody. It's the same group as before the recording. So we were talking with Dave Wallen about what happened in Burns, Oregon. And uh, uh, Christopher Bolin is going to be in Portland on Friday, so I get to go and meet him in person. It will be fun. So we got what Ray and to, Sam and Kelly and Dave and Steve and I so far. <laughs> what happened to the guest? Oh, uh, you didn't hear him say. Uh, Steve just said, Fred called about 45 minutes ago. It's very cold and snowy there. His car broke down on his way to wherever he was coming from work in Chicago, and he has to get it towed and get home, and he was really frustrated, frustrated and flustered because, you know, that's his main source of income is that car. So it's really kind of... Sure. Yeah, so he's not coming. And so Steve said, suggested he call the contact, the 
put him in touch with these two gentlemen and have us do an open forum, and Fred will come back with us with them next week. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, I read the bio on Chris Aguago, and he's quite an impressive young gentleman. <laughs> he's, yeah, yeah. Um, isn't he, Steve? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, Fred, I think the whole thing is Mick, who knows these guys from the veterans group in, in Chicago, oh, yeah. was going to kind of bring them all in. So I told Fred, I said, oh. I'll just, just put it off till next week. And so I, yeah. obviously he made that happen because I don't see any of them on. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we can do that and give a little bit more time and get some more following, too. Yeah. Yeah. I was curious. I called in late last week. Did you guys quit early or? or Not really. Uh, no, we we were on. Uh, I think we 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 quit. We see this was the second week we had our guest on, Doctor um, Sewell, and uh, and it was really interesting. I loved it. But um, we it was about twenty minutes early or fifteen that yep. we we left the at least I left the call and Fred did and every I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it went it went the normal, normal two and a half, two and a half hours or so. Okay, it was really good. But uh, is he going to be coming on? What? Uh, is is it Chris Bolin? Is that his name? Oh, that's coming on. Who who am I speaking with? This is Kelly. Oh. Kelly, oh, no, not tonight. But I mean, like a month ago, wasn't he going to be on and then that, or a while back, and it didn't happen? And... Yeah, and then Stephen Humach did a series of four or five, I think it was five weeks on the Sundays during the summer where they recorded with him a show oh. in the morning. And I, it's archived. I never oh. got up, but he's going to be in Portland tomorrow night, so I'm going to go meet him. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's doing a show, um, a show at a former, you know, a, a gathering place in Portland tomorrow. So that should be pretty good. And uh, so Chris is, you know, doing another cross country deal. Yeah, I think he started out in the East Coast and went across. And so he's he stopped in Florida, and I guess he's worked his way to uh, Oregon. And so Dee, Dee also met uh, Jim Fetzer last uh, week, right, Dee? Yeah, that was so great. So he was there. Really? So a lot going on in Portland. Well, yeah, there usually is. Uh, uh, yeah, Portland. <laughs> God. Um, it was pretty stunning today, though. I I had to run here and there and try to get a handicap. I went to the traffic supply store. It was the DMV. I mean, nobody knew where to get this handicap thing for the parking place where I'm living. and. Because uh, if you don't get your place and you come home and there's nowhere to park, it's like it's not fun, right? So uh, I did. I was running there. I took a friend down to sell books downtown, and and then uh, came back. And it was only like it was about it was after three, and I was heading back to her place. And I looked over the thing, and the freeway was just bumper to bumper going east. And uh, I don't know. It just it was. It's that's what you don't you never saw that here before. You know, it's just like crazy traffic. And and if you go out there now, it's just going to be what people would consider very light traffic, you know, even on the freeway. But there's this 
mass uh, mass of people that have moved here and yeah no lectures always do really well i had Dr. Stephen Greer here the day after 9-11 and then he was coming in from Seattle got the last rental car and we were worried our event that we had planned for so long was going to flop and there were 600 people standing in line to come in the door. <laughs> they figured if they could figure out, you know, if we knew, if they could figure out what was happening in New York, it, that would be the place to be. <laughs> so, <laughs> kind of funny. You know, I was curious too, Dee, did, did, um, did Jim Fetzer go over anything with uh, and and thanks Ray for sending that uh, that email. That was incredible. The the uh, two different pictures of uh, uh, of the Beatle, uh, John Lennon. But, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I have that book. Yeah. Did he go over that too in his his lecture, or did you bring it up? No, 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 no. I the only thing I. Uh, we there was a about three quarters of the way through there was a hot discussion uh, amongst uh, Jim and uh, Richard Gage, uh, Richard Gage and um, oh uh, Mark. Woods, what's her name? Wood uh, Judy Woods was she there? Judy Woods. Judy Woods. Wow. And 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 you know because there was a lot of people. Huh? I said she was there. No, they weren't there. They weren't there. It's just that there was the head of that group that's bringing him in here in April. And other people that are her, you know, everybody, there was a big discussion about, uh, finally, and Jim was impressed by Portland's people there because it was, you know, he even, one guy who said, well, I'm going to give you a place on my show. you got to come on my show, you know, because the guy said, well, I've been having trouble getting his voice through, and he had a certain aspect of it. And the guy, and Jim said, no, I'll call you coming on my show. But um, there was some people there that really thought that work was the bomb and other people at Judy Wood, and Jim Fetzer just, you know, just hacked it, you know. <laughs> and I did speak up at that point. I raised my hand, and I said, well, it's odd because neither one of those people would come on our program, and you've been on there, what, three times, four times a year for <laughs> the last many years or whatever. And 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 so then there was this discussion about how do we all get along, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. And some really, really interesting people there. I felt really at home with the people. I recognized a lot of the faces, and I ended up getting a ride from this engineer that's the head of the Oregon 9-11 thing here uh, I was uh, anyway but very cool yeah, so, that sounds good yeah and, I hope, hope you get a chance cover, to meet Christopher tomorrow so that'll be even better oh oh I will We're, we we covered uh, we covered a lot about Sandy Hook and I learned a bunch of new stuff I didn't know about and then Paris the Boston Marathon and San Bernardino and um the other one, but there was a guy. Uh, huh? Pretty subway bombing in seven seven. I think we did. He did touch upon that. He had ninety slides, and uh, they were really interesting. That, like I mentioned earlier, that one from San Bernardino that was an ad in Craigslist calling for extras, actors age eighteen to seventy, to come and you know get paid and have parts, and some of them speaking parts and staging that San Bernardino thing. <laughs> You know, that San Bernardino thing, that's that's pretty interesting about how the FBI is now um, trying to get Apple computer company to 
write a piece of software so that you know it'll open up the iPhones. And uh, you know that the FBI knows that this whole thing was a, just a farce. And so yeah. using that as a ruse to to uh, try to get them to open up the iPhones, that's just another farce. Yeah, and J- Jim did mention that, Ray. He said, he said, and I didn't know this about Apple. I just assumed they were part of the problem. <laughs> and he said, no, they, they're really fighting that, that whole data mining idea. Because yeah. you know, it's a, it's a catch-22. There's so much we can do with, I mean, they can do, science can do, anybody can do in their institution, whatever, with data. I mean, it's God. It could change the world in the ways that we hope it will. But then there's this whole other side of it you know, the dark side for control, like the powers that were used. And um, and that, I saw, but, yeah. I saw a little bit of a clip of that McAfee's been on news stations lately. It's the Mac, McAfee antivirus software, and he's running as a libertarian, or I forget which party is a candidate. And he's an incredibly smart guy, and he was really bashing uh, Apple backdoor thing, saying that's not right. Yeah, and then there's the crazy stuff. Uh, one place is nice. She synthesized it down to just 12-minute lengths, but it's a, it was a talk at Davos, like the Tom Cruise movie, that precognition where they convict people of a crime before they've done it. They got oh, yeah. the, like a lie detector test. They can we, read your brain waves and see what your memories are and stuff. And uh, oh, yeah, they can, de- they can determine if you're going to get – they can determine if there's – uh, going to be a flu epidemic in a particular area of, of a town or <laughs> a state or whatever. Crazy. Yeah. I couldn't believe that the technology was there, that they can even imprint a false memory into somebody mm-hmm. who wanted to be a witness sure. and say, yeah, I saw that guy with a gun, which, and they'll believe that they're telling the truth. Well, yeah, that's something to be said for having some kind of grounding of your own, with your own awareness and your own you know, your I am presence, you know, just to be vigilant. He, uh, we had an interesting uh, kind of uh, rowdy talk at one point up there about uh, Trump and Bernie Sanders. <laughs> and uh, and uh, everybody's like, well, what about Trump, you know, and all this stuff. And, and Jim, Jim, you know, and then I said, well, he said, well, wouldn't that be a big turning, turning, turning if Trump did get elected? And I said, well, what about the Council of Foreign Relations? you know, appointing the president, which, of course, they want Hillary. and But I also know that, that things are falling apart. It's not really working for them like like it normally would, you know, <laughs> and I can see that. Uh, but, uh, you know, and then he said, well, that would be a turning point, a real turning point. And I go, yeah, and he says, I have four points that are my most important, and that was one of them, the, the illegal, uncertifiable, and unreliable Devold machines. <laughs> Yeah, I just, well, I've I said it for a long time. time now. I still think it's a, a very good possibility that Trump is in it just to throw the election to Hillary. I don't know, you know, because there's a lot of really stupid people out there. I mean, sorry, but, you know, that's not something I would normally say, but it's they don't, they're coming at the Hillary thing in so many different ways. I have a saw something on TV somewhere and, and it was, I think it was The View and they were just saying all these things about Hillary and I just I almost got nauseated because <laughs> I think how can these intelligent, so-called intelligent people 
Uh, think that this is really all there is to this I, thing? I mean, I agree with your analogy on that, Dee Dee, because there's a lot of folks out there that don't have any common sense, and they can't really grasp the situation when all you got to do is open your eyes. And, you know, Ray and I both watched, I don't know if anybody took the time to look at last week's newsletter, <clears throat> but there's a very vulgar video on there uh, a guy giving his opinion about the Super Bowl. And Ray watched it, and Ray saw what I was getting at, and I saw it, and then I, I guess this guy got, got so much flack about it, he had to take it down. But you could clearly see in there, and Ray saw this as well, the guy was showing with his finger and slowed down uh, one of the, the uh, Denver touchdowns and zoomed in. And you can see one of the Carolina Panthers uh, football players grabbing a linebacker to pull him back so the, the Denver uh, player could go across the goal line. You could see it, and Ray saw it. And, and so it was very uh, cool. It was, apparently that one Panther was in on the on the uh, fix, and the other one didn't get the memo. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I never. Saw, I saw a lot of the. But I watched some. I watched that whole part of the game, but I didn't hear. I didn't hear about that one. I don't, I don't no, know. That was, that. that was in the newsletter, and it was probably taken down a couple of days after the race saw it. And I watched. Um, not see. That's why I put it up. But okay. big money. Big money is done for purposes, and that was oh, the yeah. biggest sham there was. I mean, that was. That's the way they throw games. That's the way they do in politics. They do it just like we've always heard about money and control. And we know who controls the money and everything else. So um, that that was pretty pretty interesting video. But it didn't take long for that to be removed. I mean, it was down very quickly. Oh, I imagine so. It was removed Steve, did you like the... Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. I didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt with somebody else. Yeah, no, go ahead, Ray. Leg, it makes it different, difficult. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, Steve... Um, I'm glad you like that uh, email about Paul McCartney. Uh, I've yeah. been seeing pictures on people's websites where they compare them, looking mm-hmm. at them just head on, you know, face to face. Yeah. But I never saw two profiles of, of the original and then the replacement. It's so obvious. I mean, it's not just the face, which they can, you can contour a face with plastic surgery, but you're not going to contour the rear of the skull, the cranium. That's and right. It's not even close between those two men. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, that's so obvious. I don't see how you could portray it with a better picture of face to face like that, Ray. There's, you know, obviously two different people. So um, that's the most damning there is. I like that email. Yeah. I like that email. Check that one I sent you today. I sent mm-hmm. to to Dee too. Mm-hmm. Um, the title of it is something like uh, Insight on Scalia. Oh, yeah. I did see that. I did see that. A couple of pages on there. It'll blow your mind when you read that second one. Yep, yep. I did see that. Something about him that was deep into the Illuminati. Absolutely. (laughs) I saw a little bit about him being embalmed. That was a big deal, that he was embalmed, and so you can't do autopsy or do tests for drugs or something. Is that part of the what you're talking about? Is that one of the? No, I'm talking about the uh, organizations that he was involved with. Just how deep he was. I mean, we've always heard him being portrayed as you know a real moral conservative type. You know, standing for the Constitution. Well, 
Uh, there's a little different uh, aspect on him that's coming to light now. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah, I saw you sent that, but I didn't read it. Wow, that's, that in a way doesn't surprise me, but in a way it does. <laughs> I yep. figure they must have had a, a hit on one of their own men for some reason. I don't know. I'm just guessing. I think you're right. Yeah. It was something like the Scottish Reich or the some name I'd never heard of. Like the like a Freemason group that he belonged to, the Green something. Uh, well, it wasn't just uh, tied with Masons. It it, it 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 goes deeper than that. Um, but they do um, suspect foul play, Steve right? Or Steve has your email address. They can forward it to you. I don't have your email address. Secret Society of Elite Hunters. Yeah, and their next meeting was going to be down in Charleston. And then that other page that I found, which was a a book that's online, I found a page which uh, documents how the, uh, the significance of Charleston, South Carolina, how it plays into it. One of the headquarters of the Illuminati. Yeah, that's actually headquarters of the Scottish Rite. Yeah, actually, actually, uh, um, Kelly's right about that. You know, the Scottish Rite is is out of Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to find the name of it. It said it come from Central Europe, 1695, and it was. I can't see the name of it. Mm-hmm. That was. Uh, yeah, that was. Uh... What I can't figure out is that first article of the two of the two things that I put in that email. That was off of MSN.com. Now, what what in the world are they disclosing that about? I mean, that's that, right. That, that makes me scratch my head. There, I don't understand <laughs> that. That didn't make sense. That's right. What's the connection there? Exactly. Exactly. Either they think we're stupid or they've gotten to the point where they just don't care who knows what anymore. I don't know. They really don't. I mean, you know, you look at the mindset of of the populace, nobody, even though there's conflicting visual um, evidence, uh, forensic evidence that 9-11 was a big lie, most of the population least what the media tells them and, and everything else. So they got away with that, and they get away with everything else. The election process, the Super Bowl, um, you name it. it, it wherever money and power is involved, the media can spin it and people buy it. I, I just, it's beyond me that people can't think anymore. And most of the people that you run into on the street, they're the same mindset as what watches that garbage on TV. Beats all I've ever seen. Yeah, I was trying to tell my brother, Steve, about, um, gave him a copy of The Midnight Ride, and I said, he said, well, where is it? You know, I said, well, for one thing, if you listen to those people talking, you're going to, you'd be, people should be embarrassed that there's people like this that have big groups around them, and many others, of course, but this particular group we know, some of them personally, we know all, we all know their work, and we've had them on the show and stuff, but... 
you know, these are the pe- these are the people that started out being called to come here and do the thinking. And I think there's a lot of people that never did think. I mean, they just don't. They're not here. They might be here to wake up eventually because it's going to be all be in their face this year. A, a lot of it, you know, it's going to. There's going to be so much disclosure and so much challenges for everybody. I mean, not that there isn't already, but. Um, you know, so they'll wake up in in their time, and some of them won't. You know, they'll die or they'll, you know, go away, never knowing that any of this was even occurring. You know, <laughs> it's crazy to think about. That's true. That's but I think there's a lot, of, a lot of awake people, but not enough. You know, it's a definitely majority. I mean, a minority, but it's it, collective consciousness is expanding very rapidly, and that's really one rapidly. thing you have to kind of. I agree. Don't you agree? Yeah, Absolutely. very, very rapidly. And uh, so all we can do is hold the vision of what what we consider our consciousness. Not not the story we're being told is going to happen. But no, it doesn't make any sense to act that way. They're psychopaths. They're crazy, and their experiment is over. And of course, it doesn't look like it. But I'm not going to look at it any other way. I refuse because there's just no point in it. I that's a, that's a good analogy. That's a very good analogy. Didi, yeah, I'd like to I'd like to read a February nineteenth uh, thing that I shared in some local groups here that they thought was really impressive. Um, it is dated now, but it but it's still relative to Scalia, and the title of it is even the mafia is enraged about the killing of Scalia. Um, <clears throat> is it okay if I read this? It's okay with me. Is it okay with you guys? <laughs> I, I think, uh, you know, we talk all around the truth and presume we have it. <clears throat> and this article even presumes that Scalia was killed, but uh, I don't believe that anymore. Nevertheless, this article is still interesting because it's written by someone who uh, had was from both sides of the Italian families of the mafia. He, he, and it's, an, it's written by Anonymous, and it was in beforeitsnews.com. <clears throat> but it, even the mafia is angry about the death of Supreme Court Justice Ant, Anton Scalia, and you never mess with the Sicilian, uh, or Sicilian mafia. It was an only yeah, child. Yeah, I don't imagine. <laughs> uh, this article says he was an only child, whose father was Salvatore Eugene Scalia, an, an Italian immigrant from San Martino, Sicily. And that's in the center of Sicily, and S- Sicily is off the boot uh, uh, in, in the Mediterranean there. Um, now, you have to know a little bit about the real Sicily to really understand the nature of the people there. Sicily is a beautiful island in the Mediterranean that is well known for being the most conquered island in world history. Its highly strategic location in the Mediterranean Sea made its prize to every country that rims the Mediterranean coastline. Its raw beauty and serenity were irresistible to even the most crusty of seafarers and navies over the centuries. Because of, its well-known, uh, of this well-known uh, predicament, the, the indigenous people who settled there over millennia had to bond together to defend their families and their homes. Communities became very tight-knit, so tight-knit, that quasi-mafia were formed as a sort of protection racket. As this nonsense mafia, not to be confused with the original five families of the mafia, grew in numbers 
and power became corrupted, corrupted and took advantage of the same people they were supposed to safeguard. It then morphed into the full-blown protection racket which oppressed the people. Now, I didn't know <clears throat> myself until this article that mafia is an acronym, and it stands for the five families of the mafia. Mazzini, Autoriza, Futuri, Incendi, and Avalamenti. Unknown to virtually everyone but very few insiders, there are two distinct mafias. The original grew up in Sicily. The later grew up out of the black nobility of the cities of Venice and Genoa. As follows, northern Italians have last names that end in I and E. The Sicilian last names usually end in O and A, as in Scalia. The five northern Italian names shown above are all from the original cities from which the black nobility came, from Venice and Genoa. For example, Giuseppe Mazzini, the recipient of Albert Pike's uh, infamous World War III letter, was from Genoa. The black nobility became the richest commerce and banking families in world history bar none. The Rothschilds have nothing compared to the black nobility. How so? Because the black nobility was the recipient of the greatest transfer of wealth ever effectuated in the current epoch of humanity. They were the boundaries or beneficiaries of the original Silk Road paved by Marco Polo and his Roman Catholic sponsors in the second half of the 1200s. Eventually, they formed the Mafia, for which profound political and geopolitical and practical, economic and financial reasons, which are global in scope and import. The Sicilian Mafia was completely different, but based on the same self-protection concept. In the end, the big Mafia simply took over the little Mafia and used the violent Sicilian Mafia image, which was purposely cultivated as a precursor to the modern-day terrorism, to strike fear into the hearts of enemies and adversaries worldwide. End, end of today's real history lesson. So eventually, these protection rackets across the island of Sicily became highly organized and formed an even more sophisticated and powerful network throughout all of Italy. That notorious network ultimately involved into the notorious Sicilian Mafia of the New York City and, and Chicago fame. The Sicilian Mafia is quite proud of their uh, Sicilian heritage, what is not well known, except in the Costa Nostra, is that the original mafia in Sicily was often closely associated with the Roman Catholic Church and other organizations did a lot of good in the community. They did this for two reasons. First, they felt better about themselves given the dirty work that comes with being a part of the, of the Sicilian mafia. And secondly, the real mafiosos loved to support famous Italian-Americans like Frank Sinatra so as to reverse their bad image. Not that it worked that way, but it made them proud of their heritage. Justice Scalia uh, was famous in, in Sicily for rising higher in the firmament of American politics than any other Italian-American in U.S. history. Regardless of your political persuasion, in Sicily, you were proud of the honorable jurist of the Supreme Court of the United States. After all, he was one of them with Sicilian blood running through his veins. Anyone who knew Anton Scalia experienced his joy of life and infectious passion for life. A living expression of his love of life were his nine children and 28 grandchildren. Now we come to the very serious part of this post. The Sicilian Mafia, working together with the Black Nobility Mafia, is and has been the most well-connected criminal organization in the world over centuries. It always knows what's going on on the street. These guys pride themselves on having their ear to the ground. Whatever the scuttlebutt is, say a political assassination, they know how it really went down before it even happened. Yeah, they're that informed about practically every sort of happening anywhere and everywhere on the planet Earth. What's the point? When one of them, their own gets taken out, regardless of who ordered the hit, they take it very personally. The mafia, 
both of them, are especially unhappy when one as prestigious and proud as Anton Scalia is rubbed out. No, they don't like that at all. Yes, the world turns in highly mysterious ways in 2016, but with the Sicilians, blood is always thicker than water, unlike the Brits, the French, or the Americans. Always. Therefore, should it be proven that Justice Scalia was killed because of the many reasons that the New World Order ruling cabal would have him killed for, they now have extremely serious problems, all of them. You just don't kill a sitting Supreme Court jurist of Sicilian ancestry and expect to get away with it. Capiche? Now to the real point. Every single person who had anything to do with the death of Scalia will answer for their involvement. No matter how far they are from the actual scene of the crime, every co-conspirator will find themselves in grave danger. It makes no difference whether the actual decision makers were CFR or Bilderbergers, Trilog Commissioner Committee of 300, One World Government wannabes, or New World Order bigwigs. When the curtain falls on them, it will likely be fast and furious, like a guillotine. Um, now, many will say correctly that the Mafia plays an integral role in the leadership of the current New World Order ruling cabal, and therefore Justice Scalia was whacked only because he posed a very serious impediment to the implementation of the New World Order climate change agenda. Also correct. Uh, however, these various covert organizations, which really do rule the world, by the way, are now full of dissension within their ranks, all the ranks, from low to high. The ongoing and intensifying internecting warfare within the world's shadow government has never been so heated and impactful. Much of what you see in the headlines is due more to their war with each other than with their war on us, we the people. You see, the snake of predatory capitalism is literally eating its own head at this very moment. It has already, it it already eaten its tail, that's us. The carefully premeditated assassination of Justice Anton Scalia stands as a testament to this, this Illuminati fact of life in 2016. Further testimony to this dramatic war of the titans occurring at the very pinnacle of the peak of the pyramid of worldly power is provided by Barack Obama himself. Yes, he knows something very wrong and dangerous just occurred with the shocking murder of the beloved Scalia. The following video illustrates just how shaken he is as he was forced into the conspiracy as it was executed and covered up by the U.S. federal government his administration. Now what? How will we the people respond? It's the year of the fire monkey, so hold on to your seat if you're not participating directly in the second American revolution. Um, Marco Polo and the black nobility. The unprecedented accumulation of wealth by the black nobility had its roots in the co commercial ventures to the east made by Marco Polo of Venice in the 13th century. He was used to establish the largest export-import business in world history, and yes, it grew to be the most profitable business venture of all time, as it affected the greatest transfer of wealth the planet er had ever seen. This highly efficient enterprise was responsible for the most successful exchange of goods, services, and resources from east to west and vice versa ever to have occurred, and it continues up to this day. The author who submitted this piece of, for publication was born into a family that was half Sicilian and half Northern Italian. Needless to say, every day evolved in such a way that Mount Vesuvius blew its top every morning, whereas Mount Etna erupted every evening. Yes, it was that completely crazy and explosive. Hence, the author was forced onto the path of understanding how the world really worked. He quickly realized that many of the problems of today's world not only lay with the legacy of the Holy Roman Empire and the Roman Catholic Church, his religion of birth, but also with the modern nation of Italy and the exceedingly heavy influences of the original black nobility. 
he came to find out that the black nobility were not only Roman Catholic Italians. They were also Jewish bankers and Muslim businessmen from the Middle East. They were, in fact, represented by the rich and powerful from all over the globe, including the Orientals who bought into the original Italian corporations, particularly those chartered in both Venice and Genoa. These were, in fact, the world's first corporations and were based on Roman Catholic law. These predatory capitalist corporations of London came along centuries later after the Italians had already set up the monopoly board in, the, in their eternal favor. There are very good reasons why all roads lead to Rome, and to get there you must first go through Venice, Genoa, Milan, Turin, and Florence, etc. And that's kind of the end of the article. But I thought that was kind of an interesting article, since, since we're already always talking about conspiracy theories, and we never differentiate completely between theories, conspiracy theories, and, and the conspiracies themselves. Yeah, that's a great article. I lo- I'd love to have a copy of that to give to a friend of mine. Uh-huh. I'll see if I can't get that done. I've been having a lot of trouble trouble with my computer. Well, uh, I can look it up if you just give me a, a way to do it. Yeah, it's 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 its title is um uh found in uh the uh, beforeitsnews.com. And the title of it is, Even the Mafia is Enraged About the Killing of Scalia. Oh, okay. I might have even seen that go by. I just haven't had a chance to see it. Okay, great. Thanks, Dave. That was really interesting. I kind of thought so since you were talking about it. (laughs) Yeah, there's all kinds of levels to that. I mean, really, that's a really good example of what's taking itself down, and it's so much bigger than we can really see, and like everything else, of course, but... um, yeah, that's interesting. I, I consider that a positive, <laughs> a positive thing. <laughs> well, one mm-hmm. thing for secret, secret societies that I believe is that uh, Stanley Kubrick's movie Eyes Wide Shut. It's a good movie, but yet it's kind of like missing something. And supposedly the story is he refused to alter it, and then he died two weeks later, and there was 26 minutes removed. To me, that would make sense because he's a fantastic director, and yet this movie kind of sucked, and it was quite, you know, there was something missing, <laughs> which was the 26 minutes that was taken out. But, mm. but they, people think he was divulging or showing too much of the characteristics of secret societies that caused them to. I had a completely different question off topic from where we're at. I was curious that Arizona guy that used to come on every once in a while and he had murder charges against him. What's he doing these days? Is he still He's in prison for life for murder. Oh dang. I sounded like he was real hopeful he was kinda You're talking about John Stewart, right? Yeah, yep. Wow. That's two of them then. And then that poor young guy from Alaska. Yep. Uh, that is two Yeah, we had we had uh, uh, they they were both on regulars with us, and uh, John Stewart was on with us a, long, a lot of times. Well, he worked. We worked with him with Aaron. Was uh, he was the uh, state coordinator for the movie? That's how I met him. Yep, that's right. He was in it. Oh, from freedom to fascism. 
or is it's, that what it was called? It's John yes. it, America America Freedom to Fascism. Is he in there? I must have yeah. forgot about that. He was in there. He did a couple of uh, statements, and, and uh, yeah, he was in there. Okay. Sure. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons they went after him. <laughs> Besides the fact that he exposed the whole uh, foreclosure thing to half the governors of America. <laughs> No, I take that back, Dee Dee. I'm thinking of Larkin Rose. That's who I'm thinking of. Larkin Rose was in the Oh, film. Larkin's Larkin's not in prison, I don't think, is he? No, no, but he was in the he was in the film. I might be I was confusing Stewart has been there. No, it's Larkin Rose that was in uh he he was in the, the film. Yeah, he wrote the books too. But no uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's who I'm thinking. Yeah, of. it's so so much fun since I've been moving and I had to take my filing cabinet drawers out and empty them in order to put them in. And I found that stack of hard copy of our calls, you know. And, man, there's a book just in reading those pages. I mean, I, I was, some of it's loosely woven in my notes, but some of it I was felt really focused in the, in the notes are really good. And I thought, God, we've got to do something with that, you know. <laughs> Black and Rose wrote a fiction book portraying the truth of what was going on. Um you know, something like that, and I thought, boy, that'd be some great material to weave stories around. I won't do it, but <laughs> that was a great idea. Yeah, anytime he was on our call, there was there was a full complement of people on uh, talk shoot. I mean, he would fill the house constantly anytime he'd be on. Are you talking about Larkin or John? Uh, both of them. Actually, both yeah. of them. John, yeah, John was always very popular. After reading that book by Larkin Rose, The Iron Web, every time a presidential election rolls around, that that thought goes through my head. Oh, how I wish we could have a Iron Web scenario. Well, it's it's actually happening. It's just out of sight, but it, it'll it'll emerge. It's one of the emerging paradigms, I'm sure. <laughs> John Stewart, whenever he was on, I would ask him again the same question because I just couldn't get it through my head about how people are a money-making operation to put people in prison and then bonds are sold on them to China or something like that. And then here just recently I saw a tweet about a to incarcerate a youth in Los Angeles, it costs $233,000 a year. And then here, the guy that helps me, Farman, he he, actually, he wrote three bad checks for a total amount of $100 at the grocery store. He And he's got, it was like $650 a piece. He owes like $3,000 writing three bad checks that, and I, he thought he, or he didn't intentionally do it, but I just couldn't believe the amount of money that he's got to pay off now. And that was for several years ago. And then I saw about how much 233000 to incarcerate a youth in L.A. and kind of go back to Stewart's deal about I still still didn't quite understand how they, heck, they sell bonds or whatever and the money-making operation and sell the bonds to China or however that went. I don't know. It's all really really ready to be gone. 
I'm not, I know that sounds weird, but I, I, people ask me, they say, why are you so interested in the details of all this? And I go, I don't know. <laughs> it's part of our life, and it's part of the indicators of change and, you know, what we need to look at, you know, that we that we don't need to put our energy into or don't want to anymore, you know. That's what creates collective consciousness. So don't you, don't you think the Internet has helped a lot? To... Oh, my God, yeah. But at the same time, it's been an, uh, a good way to put out disinformation and create more confusion. People are saying, no, it's not this, it's B. And the other guy's, no, it's C. And the other guy's like, no, it's D. Like Judy Wood and her, all the different yeah. ideas about 9-11. Or... Well, you know, I think what it boils down to is that everybody's called to figure it out for themselves. You know, my girlfriend said, well, I know you get ET visits and stuff, but I, I don't believe it because, I, I mean, why aren't they here? And I go, well... This is our planet. We came here, and and all of us, whatever you call it, are here to to put the light of day on the truth, so that we can have a better world. Because we know that that's possible, despite the fact that it looks like these guys are so entrenched, it'll never go away. Change can happen so suddenly, and when it's due, and when you can see it coming, and when when you know that, you know, then I don't know. I think. Kind of lost my train of thought there, but hmm? I'm getting scared. We've screwed around with the other rest of the world for so long that they want revenge if the U.S. ever gets weak. Well, <laughs> you know, the thing is, it, we're all in it together. Whether we're the United States, China, Russia—I mean, we're a global humanity. And the collective consciousness part of that—that's the most important—is when people wake up to the fact that they're not alone, and you're just another myself. You know. That's pretty cosmic. That's the Mayan calendar, you know, in the cash, another myself. Namaste, I honor the divinity within you because everybody's got it. I don't care if they're under the bridge or, or, you know, doing whatever they're doing. It's a weird role. All the world's a stage, and we come in here to play these roles, and there's all these different timelines going on. And, you know, everybody's, well, why can't we all just get along? Because we're, we're like all these different people. If we have different fingerprints, then how can we be anywhere near the same? And, I mean, in some ways we are, but I think the the key is that no matter what people say, we're all from the same, you know, we're all from the same source. I wouldn't go as far as to say we're all originally from here because we're not, but we came here called to go for the truth, and and that's happening in so many ways that that we can't see across the globe. And when it emerges... It's collective consciousness that will, it'll be like a tsunami wave where people will wake up and, yeah, they might be confused, but there's going to be lots of people around that explain to them what's happening, if that's what they're called to know, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's such a much larger picture, but it takes a lot of evolution to be able to even come here and be in a body. Because if you think about it, you're not your body. You go on when your body dies, so... How could anybody living under a bridge or living in a castle, how could they be any different from each other if it took the same amount of evolution to come down here during this time and specifically alter consciousness for the betterment of the collective by knowing what you don't prefer? You know, so we're all really information warriors. But like and the, I, the Indian Buddha no. stuff and reincarnation, you're not quite talking along that line. Well, yes, well, yeah, and I have yes, to, yes I very have much to so. 
Yes, she is. Because right. if you didn't you didn't learn what you were supposed to learn here, I tell you what, a scary thought would be to have to repeat it and to do it all over again. Well, yeah, that's what, what I was going to ask. Is like you can go back <laughs> down instead of going forward, you can come back as a dog or a cat or a lesser being. Well, yeah, and there's no coming back or forward. There's always spiraling upward towards back to source or whatever you call it. But um, um, the reincarnation part, that's just one of the 80 books, one of the biggest 80 of the 80 books they've taken out of the Bible a long time ago. That's <laughs> you know? exactly, there's that's the Book exactly of Mary, awesome. yeah. The Book of Love, um, the Book of Love, the Book of uh, Mary, the Book of the, all the astrology and all the reincarnation, all that stuff. And... Um, you know, I, I think, I know people think that's weird when you talk about reptilian and Orions, but I also happen to know that, you know, there's people that aren't physical and energies and forces, like the Arc is a good example, if you ever heard that term. Archon? archon. That, yeah, Archons, because they can rule without being in a physical body, but they also can only work as far as high as the fourth dimension. So they they gathered originally centuries ago, uh, the uh, the uh, Orions and, and the Reptilians. Now, people hear you say that and they think you're completely crazy, but all of these people in office, Hillary, all those guys are reincarnated from that same group of people. They've been genetically mutated, just like we have been, but they've chosen the dark side and they've kept control only for the sake of control and the survival and the sustaining of it, for no other reason. But the power of the people and the rolling of the ages and the and the coming of, and I'm not just talking healy-feely, this is all scientific fact. Last week's guest gives you a good example of one part of it. But it, it's much larger than people understand. It's on so many more levels, this, this fight for the light, you know. But the planet isn't she is okay. She's going to take care of herself. She's evolving just like we are. And we can just help by loving the mother or the energy that's sustaining us here, which is a given whether you call it religion or metaphysics. I don't care. It's the truth of the matter. <laughs> you know, without her, we'd be in doo right? So, you know, it's it's when when their time is done, these, these inbred, psychopathic, reincarnated freakazoids that we that we see around us and we try to understand, well, how could it possibly be like that? Because they're absolutely crazy. And they're so inbred and so indoctrinated that it's just frightening to watch them, you know, show up even, you know. And I I don't give them much regard because I know who they are and I know they can do all kinds of weird stuff and they've got their... But but there's controls that are controlling them. Their their time is over, the experiment's over, the Earth's destiny is to be a a showcase in the galaxy from from millions of species probably to come here and see that yes light can be turned from darkness and it can sustain and it can be you can be victorious and you know that may sound minimalistic but I don't really know how else to describe it it's the movement of energy you know that's so vast and so great and so magnificent that you know, we're just very fortunate to have a front row seat and watch this other thing just completely fall apart. <laughs> and people say, well, how can that possibly be? Well, I'm not going to have it any other way in my mind. So that's the way that's, I feel about it all. That's a good mindset. I agree with that. And that was prophesied by Edward Edgar Casey 
just in his writings. So. Oh, it's not just Edgar Casey, you know. Many of them. Many of them. Yes. Well, the Awareness Archive has got way more archive than Edgar Casey by far, and it's still going on. But um, Awareness Archive. Yeah, the awareness channelings, the cosmic awareness channelings that have been going on since the 40s. That's how I jumped into all this stuff early on. Okay, I thought you were talking about a website, name of a website or something. Well, there are a lot of websites. You can even watch an awareness channeling interview on YouTube now. But I worked with with Reverend, I worked with Paul Shockley and we formed a church. And I worked with him doing these healings all over the country and, and putting down a bunch of templates um, on some of this stuff, but we have, we founded a church that's got four paragraphs in the National Who's Who, and you can look it up, but it's, I mean, there's I mean, lots of channels that aren't very good that the people are being misinformed by them, and the, there's a whole strata of the high end, and it's hard for people to get credibility because they, they don't think that that spectrum exists, but it exists just like it does in everything. Yeah, that's why I was asking you for some leads because it's just uh, I'd rather learn from the mistakes of somebody else and save myself some time and go right to some good reputational sources instead of having to figure out that I just spent the whole night watching junk and looking somewhere else. And... Yeah, I don't mind doing that. I, I thought I sent you something, but maybe I didn't. And i just been in the oh, middle yeah. of moving it still in, but... Yeah, I checked all of them out. They're real good. Well, the, whatever you need to hear will come to you. Just set your intention, you know, for what level of truth you want. You say, I, I really want to know. I really want to see myself in this, and I really want to, you know, have direction and guidance in ways that I can understand these issues, you know. And, then, and it, it always... Huh? Have you been out to that Isedi Ranch? Is that in your state? I forget. Or is that Washington? Uh, I've spent a lot of time up there, but not recently. I haven't been up there um, for several months, actually. But I'm on his newsletter, and I kind of keep track of what's going on up there. I had a lot of really good experiences there. <laughs> well, I, I follow or I enjoy UFO Congress lectures that are on YouTube from all the symposiums and seminars like Stanton Friedman and Michael Schratt and they're talking Michael Dolan and and then and then there's kind of another group over like talking about the reptilians or the Pleiadians or the Orions or these different groups and it's like how do they know these different 38 species or whatever 38 different races of aliens that are here or well, you have to keep in mind that when you look at the vast amount of information that's been suppressed, when I was working with Dr. Stephen Greer, I did two big events here with him. Um, it, it, you know, it's it's he told us, he said, and this was many years ago, he says they spend 90 to $100 million a year covering up this information and removing it constantly. And creating ridicule, ridicule about around it, but it, it isn't working anymore because too many people are having sightings every single day, somewhere. And if you're having sightings, you're being contacted, whether they're close or from a distance, because we are going to be a galactic civilization. You know how much you can change in, in just a few years technologically. Imagine when the controls are off the technology that 
can clean up all the oceans and the air and the water, and they've stopped a lot of nuclear activity from happening already. They've done so much that people aren't aware of, you know. But now the the restrictions on what they do here and, and when they show up have been removed for the first time in the 50 years I've been looking at it. So um, this, I think things are really going to, you know, gonna gonna be going a lot quicker <clears throat> with these changes going forward. Yeah, Steve gets all this stuff, <laughs> don't you, Steve? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, for sure. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, the the biggest thing of it, which I don't really understand why people don't understand it, but the whole thing is like you were talking about. This Gaia, the Earth, is alive. And just a little bit of common sense, nothing that is not living cannot support life. So for this planet to support life, it has to, in fact, be alive. I mean, that's a given. So... Of course it's alive, and of course it can take care of itself, and it's done it for billions of years. So, yes, this planet supports life because it is essentially alive. Yeah, there are reasons that we got to save it. Well, she's in less trouble than you think because these changes will occur. I mean, there's earthquakes every day. There's all this stuff that... Yeah, how could could something be molten for billions of years? This planet supports life because it basically is alive and it's managed to take care of itself for a long, long time and it will continue to do so. So, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's just the way it is. But this is, a this is a learning process for all of us that's here. And it's, this whole thing is an experience in how you learn and deal with situations. So, you know, and that's, that's why I Boy, said that's the truth. No, that's 100% right, you know. Yeah. And the earth is at risk. I mean, you know, I, I follow Dutch Sense. Steve, do you ever look at the Dutch Sense stuff? I, yeah, he's a great guy. I like I like him. I think he's he's got a lot of good uh, thought process and and a lot of his research and, and his uh, his uh, sharing of, of what he sees. Yeah, he's, he's a very smart <laughs> Yeah, I like him. I well, like you know, NASA is just going ballistic because on a day-to-day, if you're on his subscription list, he'll say, like, he'll say, okay, this is the, the whole uh, North American plate is moving, and when this when you have an earthquake that causes activity, it pushes it east, and it's going to come back west again. And he'll say, now watch for one in California, and within a day or two or three or four, there's one, and then there's another one. He says, and then he, he picks these silent areas and goes, like, well, this is a silent area down here, so we should see something in Central America, which doesn't happen very often. But all of a sudden, Nicaragua had a big earthquake, and then he'll say there should be now the shifting should go this way, and there'll be a couple of big ones in you know in Japan, and he watches everything. He's got this technology um, that shows how deep they are according to the digital playout of a pointer into the earth coming way high, and then some of them are lower, and sometimes there's so much activity. Uh, and he, he's pinpointing there's been volcanoes like probably three or four in in the very short period of time here that haven't exploded like in 12,000 years. And he'll say, well, you might see some activity over here. And then all of a sudden this 
dormant volcano erupts, and nobody knows why, but he knows why, because he's watching the movement of the Earth's crust. It's really fascinating. <laughs> yeah, he knows his stuff. He really does. That's exactly right. Yeah. He's getting a lot of validation suddenly, because he's always been out there like us, you know, on the rogue end of the thing. And uh, yeah. uh, that's just another level of stuff, you know. Eats, sleeps, breathes that stuff. So, I mean, it's just every day he picks up on what's going on and he shares it. Yeah, he's very much a a good voice of, of what he sees and shares. And uh, if you ever get a chance to look at his stuff, all you got to do is it's all over YouTube. I was, yeah, I like I like being on his mailing list because it, it, it gives you a day-by-day. Day. If there's something that happened that day, you can go back to his last report. You can either read it or click on the thing and watch it, but I like yeah. to watch it sometimes. I saw something of him. I watch a lot of uh, Electric Universe. They have a channel and a website kind of based on Velikovsky's that had a few things wrong, how the universe is more electric, quite a few things different than conventional astrophysics have it and boy he went off this kid is a lawyer trained as a lawyer and he's doing he there's a presentation he did it at the, their project they do an annual seminar and he's really ripping up this guy and then like five minutes later it's gone it was pulled off youtube and i've watched i've followed dench since and i was surprised but he was really criticizing this young guy who's kind of Looks like he's turning into a career. So then I had to go. Well, I got to see who this kid is. And then his dad's like a Hollywood producer. And I saw what movies they did. It was a really horrible one with Morgan Fairchild in it. And but I was surprised how him and another guy were really ripping on him. And then I go back to it ten minutes later, and it's gone. And I was like, wow. Hear about yeah, I remember. I remember that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I kind of been watching this Randall Carlson, who's got new theories about well supposedly the earth would look we have a lot of regolith or dirt and stuff covering the surface of the earth and otherwise we would it would look without that covering it up and the erosion and stuff the earth's surface would look just like the moon and so supposedly they get younger driest period and you look back on the debate about global climate change and his theory is there in eastern Washington it's called the Scablands and supposedly a Lake Missoula emptied out and caused it but but his theory you know 11,900 years ago boom all of a sudden the Clovis culture disappeared and all the megafauna there was like woolly rhinoceros and a big giant sloth and they were all the North America and, and Northern Europe's megafauna which are animals over 100 pounds disappeared and so that's kind of why Africa is one of the few places that still kept some of their it's all it was just an asteroid hit the hit the ice the ice was covering most of Canada and a lot of North America two miles deep and that hit and caused major climate change and wiped out a lot of and that kind of wiped out that Clovis culture that was America then but uh, but and then he goes in to say you know that Genesis says, replenish the earth, be fruitful and multiply, and then he's claiming that's why that was in there, because you get wiped out to just a small number, a small population of people, you know, 
but he says the key was go out, don't be fruitful, multiply the actual phrases, replenish the earth mm-hmm. after this big cataclysm. You know, it did, reminds me of something I was want to say before I have to go is uh, there's, you know, what, seven going on, eight billion people on the planet. But I think, you know, people say, well, if we're all here, call because, well, I think what happened is a lot of souls needed to come here right now because this is going to be a huge transition period. I mean, this is going to be a real big, this is a big deal that we're here. But people forget it when they, they come here, they have to, you know, they come in and you basically forget who you are. And some people never remember. They don't remember why they came and why there's so many of us here. And I think that some of the groups that are here to expose truth, this sounds kind of cold, but I really feel it's true. Like, say, the people that died in 9-11. Yes, it was tragic, and, and, and it, the truth needs to be known. There's no question about that. But the fact is that I think all these souls that went together in order to create this focus to break this hold of the power elite here, you know, that's these events are, you know, what they do is, yeah, they're staged, but it's the Illuminati working against themselves because it wakes people up, makes them more compassionate, makes them more eager to find out what really happened, creates volcanoes of outrage, and that's a whole lot better than stagnation. And and so they, you know, and then they all go together on the back. You know, they all die together and they contract to come for a short time. And then they just go on with their life. And maybe some of them, like my friend Paul Shockley, I know he's monitoring a lot of the activity that's happening here. And these off-world people are still working for, on the planet's behalf. You know, it's not, God, I don't know. I just think the veils are a lot thinner than people realize. You know, it's almost like we're in a computerized matrix game, you know, and we run our little thing and we do this and that and then, and then we, we go, you know, <laughs> we do something else. But I don't know. There's been so much mutation of our the human spirit. You know, it's amazing that we can be awake at all best example of that is to go back and look at the explosions of the towers and look at the faces that are there plain as day. <laughs> if that's not a, a clear sign of what Dee just said, then you've got, yeah. you got to re-examine your eyes and your consciousness. So, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. you're exactly right. <laughs> well, well, you mean I'm... the people on the sidewalks watching it come down, you mean? No, you can go look at the images and the faces and the explosion uh, of the cloud formations. <laughs> it's very clear, very plain. So, yeah, all you got to do is there's a lot of things that they say ghost or whatnot, but you can see the faces and the clouds of the towers as they're coming down, the explosion. Oh, you know what I'm wow, about. that's really, yes, I, I know. That's very Yeah. It's so funny. I mean, it's just so amazing. I mean, you know, I, I really, you know, I. Can you imagine how much, how remarkable it would be? It is going to be, whether it's this time around, and I think we'll see a lot more than people think we're going to see in our lifetimes. But I think that um, just think how magnificent it would be if everybody could travel at will, and I mean everybody all over the world, and the you know. It was done in a way that's the way it's supposed to work, you know. Equal, you know. Oh God, it's just gonna. Can you imagine how beautiful it'd be to have this planet, to be able to live here and meet people from all over the galaxy and just, you know, share this beautiful planet. Dee Dee, what did you mean a minute ago? You said uh, people come here and they forget why they. 
come or why they're here? Well, in my mind, we come here, we step down into the third dimensional. Uh, it's really, I mean, we're not probably ninth dimensional beings at least, you know. By choice. We come, by choice. Huh? By choice. Yeah, by choice. We come by choice with an agenda to participate in this amazing time in history. And some people get called in their lives, you know, early on. I mean, like, I went through a lot of stuff as a kid. I mean, a lot of stuff. I mean, I was surprised I was still alive by the time I was a teenager. It was, everything had happened. But at the same time, I still had this innate feeling of purpose, and I was just really a truth seeker and really nonconformist. But I met the Awareness Channel people, and I started reading in other books even before that. And my mother was into astrology and reincarnation, Erica Casey, all that. And so I... I just ate that stuff up, and I everything I hit, I was just into it because I really wanted to understand it, and I already had kind of a jump on it, you know, because of the the channelings and how close I worked with that. But, you know, it's from what I understand, and this is from a lot of, you know, different levels of looking at it and learning from different people that, yeah, we come, we reincarnate, you know, the Tibetan Book of the Dead is about the cycles of, of death. Uh, you know, then there's a, there's periods of silence and quiet meditation. Then there's the, the impudence to be reborn, and then you're reborn, and it's the bardos. They call them the bardos, and we live those every day. We live them every day. We, we make these cycles, and we don't really notice it. But on a larger level, when we reincarnate here, if you decide to come down and step down, it's very difficult to be in these these bodies, you know, they're they're extremely important because if we had to monitor everything that we did, like all the breathing, the blinking, if we were in charge of all that, we'd never have time to learn anything and to be to be motivated to to do what we're called to explore or you know be be able to be open to being guided here and there, you know. And so we have higher direction. We have our conscious middle self, and then we have our low self, which is our body. And you have to work on all those levels at once. You have to be aware of them. But if but people come in and they go back to sleep. The, if you remembered everything that you just came from, you wouldn't want to even be here. You have to have a really good purpose for being here. But a lot of people don't wake up. They don't wake up because when we came in, I came in 1948, right after Gandhi was shot, we were absolutely amazed when I finally realized what was going on, how entrenched in control and darkness we were here, because I didn't expect it to be that bad, you know. And it was just like I thought in, in the 60s when we were doing mind alterations and all these experiments and hanging out, you know, <laughs> in Timothy Leary style, you you just couldn't believe that another day would go by before people saw what you were seeing, you know, the the open dimensions and where we're really headed and what's actually, you know, what actually is the reality of our life here on one hand and then this other thing of all this controls and the history of the controllers and all that stuff. But it's it's known now. That's all known, all that stuff. Maybe not by everyone, but it's pretty much documented that people do lose, they, they fall asleep and they don't wake back up until they leave again and then they go, oh, well, I kind of didn't, what was I doing? <laughs> actually, actually, Didi's right about the body because if you you've heard of it before, and I can't remember the term. Didi will tell me what it is, but it's when uh, just for without reason, uh, a person will just totally incinerate. They will burn up, and it's because oh, yeah. the energy force is too strong for their body. 
but they'll burn to a crisp. There'll be a foot left or something like that. But the amazing thing about it is none, nothing else in the room will burn up. None of the furniture, the house won't catch fire. Uh, just the person will incinerate, and nobody can explain it. But it happens because the, the power of the spirit is so strong within that entity, that body, that something happens either from the other side where it is too much for it, and it goes. It just goes up in a flash. It burns right up. And, uh, yeah, like people said, can break their they can break their contracts and and leave. You know, it affects everyone. But. Yep. How does suicide count there then? Uh, that's where also, that's where you can't handle it, and you you actually from what and correct me if I'm wrong, Didi, but at least from what has been written about people that do um, near death experience and come back and can relate with uh, uh, explaining. Um, reincarnation and things like that is they have to go into another area where they learn to deal with what happened and they just they can't handle what they wrote for themselves they cannot handle what they wrote for themselves it's too difficult and they simply end it and uh, so at least that's what people that come to near-death experience have written about it and that's about as credible as you can get somebody that's passed to the outside and then comes back. So, isn't that correct, Diddy? Yeah, well, that is definitely a very good way of looking at it for sure. There's another thing about um, people that do that. They can't, they can't stay and heal very long. They have to come back. And then they, I, haven't, I don't know if this is the truth or not, but I, this is another thing I heard one time that I thought was interesting. They come back and they, they can stay here two years. But then they they'll die of some kind of childhood disease or something. They'll 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 leave again uh, because I don't know exactly why, but there's some kind of balance of karma there that happens. Uh, but I think you're right, Steve. The breaking of a contract through suicide affects everyone, and you have to do something that reconciles that. And you are you're you're taken care of and healed, and you have to learn a whole different reality. But people aren't supposed to break their contracts when they come in. We all came in as a group, you know. I mean, I have lots of extended arms of groups. We all do, but, yeah. Yeah, you actually actually choose the folks that will be with you in this plane as well as ones in the past. So, yeah, that's that's been written by many, many groups. And I, I truly believe that. I really do. Because, I mean, all, like the years, pa- all the years that you and Fred and I have worked together, I mean, it's, you know, we've known each other forever. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's, it's, we contract, I think, for our parents. I mean, I, I've seen my dad many times since he died, you know, in different sessions and stuff and rebirthing or meditation or whatever. I know what he does in between lifetimes. I know his position in my off-world crew, basically. And, um, and other people, too. You know, you come back, you come you come with them over and over again to do the exact same work, you know, because some of my oldest friends here of 40, 45, 50 years uh, are all of them that I'm the closest to, even though our lifestyles are somewhat different, and every single one of them is an, is an awareness minister. And I think, well, why of all the millions of people a person can meet in their lifetime or hundreds or thousands or whatever, how come these are still my, you know, my real friends, you know, even if we don't, I mean, not real friends, but people you know you can count on, you know, to be there for you that know you, even if we're really different from each other in some ways, you know. 
this is kind of barely related <clears throat> to uh, you've said uh, near death experiences, and it, it sounded kind of believable to me. But supposedly, originally, when you do baptism and thousands of years ago, they took you down to the river to baptize you. They were actually holding you down there long enough that when you came up, you had a near-death experience, and you were born again. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounded believable to me. No, that's know. that's great. That might have been the earliest. That might have been the earliest form of waterboarding, right? Yeah, water. <laughs> I always thought it looked like it really sucked. <laughs> yeah, I thought my life sucked, but God damn, I'm glad to be back up above the water. <laughs> I'll never do anything that'll put me in that position again. Oh, that's funny. But I think most people, you're born and you're just like, oh, my parents worked at the packing plant, and and uh, you go to church and you're told what to believe and what's the purpose of life and what's the meaning of life and. Like you say, you make it sound like people consciously come, arrive with a, and they know what their mission or when they know what their goal is. Yeah, well, they, yeah, but not everybody remembers. But see, that's the beauty of collective consciousness. Eventually, it catches on <laughs> when people go, wow, I don't think it's right here. Why are they doing that? Why are we got fluoride? You know, they're waking up in droves, literally. If they weren't, how would anything on the opposite end of the spectrum ever be happening? Yeah. You know? I think it was, it wasn't James Yeager. It was someone that was very well informed. What's, what's, Wayne Walton? I can't remember, but they, they said, you, no matter what happens here, no matter how much truth you know, you still have to live your beautiful life. Because if you don't, where's the grace and beauty and uh, abundance outside of money and gratitude? Where's that come from? If you if you can't see the beauty of, of life itself, you know? Yeah, a good example of, I, of collective consciousness, for example, in, as far as, as a mass, if you go back, you know, 10, 15 years ago, uh, you know, back during a time when O.J. Simpson was in the car, right after the trial, you talk to any black person, and most of them would say that, uh, you know, uh, he was innocent. But because of collective consciousness, oh. you talk to any blacks today, and they'll tell you he was guilty as hell. <laughs> because yeah. they, I mean, you, you pick up on it. It's collective consciousness as a uh-huh. whole. You you gather the truth, and so yeah. that's true in nature. So. As a whole, you, yeah. you pick up on that. Well, I'm yeah, and it's just... I guess there's a there's like a TV show. I don't have TV anymore, but I hear people talking lately. There's a TV show about uh, about that about O.J. Simpson. Yeah, it's <laughs> a movie. It's a movie. Was oh, it a TV series? Yeah, yeah a movie? TV series. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, they're they're capitalizing yeah, on it again. Yeah. You but, were saying something about. Um, it just triggered me on a thought. Oh, collective consciousness yep. is, uh, you know, it's like how how the people that we admire and respect, Edwin Griffin and Javier and all these incredible people, Aaron and, 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 and all of the people on the call that all of us, you know, we're, we're, we're on the leading edge of, uh, on the fringe, you know, we're the fringe, but we're the, we're the troops that are on the front lines basically because we're pushing back. We're, we're pushing open the new paradigms. We're researching and we're well-informed and we're curious and we always show up to learn more. And, and that is true in every field, whether it's science, 
uh, the environment or education or the the freedom and, and liberty movement, you know, just because we're a minority doesn't mean, I mean, just because you're on the front lines, you you can't see how many people are behind you that you're waking up, you know, in ways that they don't even know is happening to them. And Change so the there's, Change the yeah, there's, some, there's something that hits, some opening that hits. It can be a smile on, to a complete stranger on a bus, and and that's the trigger that you came in contracted with that person. That was the involvement you were going to have in their life at a time when they were feeling desperate. Somebody sat down and talked to them, and you know maybe planted something happy in their mind. But it was just enough, you know. So we have to keep we have to keep being the collective consciousness warriors. You know, we just got to put everything we have is positive and true forward because there's millions of us doing it and we're not all coming from the patriot movement there's people from all walks of life that have projects and things that are doing exactly what i'm talking about and that's just feeding the higher agenda you know maybe they're not boots on the ground but they're certainly sitting and meditating every day and not everybody does that or really even needs to but but it's just being in connectivity with their calling and that's why yoga and things, spirituality and these alternative everything is so popular, like uh, your work with the Reiki, Steve, and you and Darlene. These are things that that align you and remind you that it's energy and it's healing and it, it's done with love and it's done with intention and purpose. So yeah, that's if you exactly do anything... Right. We, we, we both are, are Reiki masters. Um, we became We took up Reiki in 1999-2000, and then 2001 we were... Both Darlene and I, myself, were Reiki masters. And there's actually people that do that for a living. They actually do that for their income. Is to Oh, God, there's tons of them here. But you we, can we find every kind of healing method. We master. don't do that. You're supposed to barter it for, for money, and we don't do that. Mm-hmm. only time we became Reiki masters to help ourselves and to help other people, but we never charge. We never have. So mm-hmm. but, uh, it was it was very unique getting that. And so to get that, you also have to have... Uh, um, you know, both of us are through Universal Life Church. To have that, you got to put your hand on anybody. You have to uh, be ordained. So, you know, we both we both did that back in 2000 as well. So, just like you are, Didi. So, you know, it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so, yeah, I was I was amazed before we met each other. <laughs> Long before we met each yeah. other. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I when I was in a really deep session. One of my friends paid for this Russian woman uh, to put me in a four-hour hypnosis session. She takes you to work what you do in between lifetimes. Regressive, and hypnosis. I, I, Regressive hypnosis, correct. Yeah, it wasn't past life uh, therapy, but it was what you do in between your lifetimes. And I, I ended up, I was healing with my fingers. The one middle finger was lit up and I was healing spines of people that had just passed back over. And then I ended up with a spinal disorder, you know, <laughs> and awareness says, you know how to fix it. <laughs> yeah, I can slow down long enough, but yeah, it's, um, it, it's uh, yeah, it was really interesting. But I, I was in the session for four hours and my friend paid for it because I'm very verbal and I'm an 18 degree extrovert. So so he knew that I would be, and I'm very visual and, and I, see, I see images and, and he said, well, gee, you'll have, it'll be an interesting reading. Well, something that surprised me, and I don't know if I should be saying this, but I was such a small group, but I figured out how Fred and I were hooked up. We've been twins in three different lifetimes and we were freedom fighters in those lifetimes. 
So this, we came in at born just two days apart and then ended up meeting. And I know it's something else with everybody. You know, you've got these connections. But yeah, one of the biggest, one of the biggest uh, things that shows that is, is being true with that connection is look at our birthdays. I mean, Dee Dee's yeah. birthday is, is, is February the 7th. Fred's birthday is February the 6th. My birthday No, the 5th, the 5th, the 5th. That's right. I said 6th, the 5th. Mine's yeah. February the 1st. So also, Dee and Fred and myself are each five years apart in, in progressive order. <laughs> so exactly, yeah. That is, that is unbelievable. So, and, you know, we've been doing this for almost, you know, uh, nine years now. That's incredible. So, yeah, and I know that somewhere along the line, I've met Fred a few times, but I want to meet you too, Steve. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like I already know you, but <laughs> yeah, that's gonna happen. That's gonna happen for sure. Yeah. So, uh, but like mm-hmm. I said, you know, it's just really unique the way that things happen like that, and I don't think it's by accident. I just, I just don't buy that. And uh, you know, look how many people we've helped, and and that's not yeah selfishly either. We've done that in in the. Just the fact we've done it, like that Lynn, what was her name, Samoyak? Samoyak, uh, yeah. yeah. She was on 60 Minutes, and she came on our call, and you know, she talked and told us about how she was trying to help people that through the mortgage scam and stuff like that. And then as a result of being on our, our call and sharing her, her story, she was on 60 Minutes, and she won an $18 million Settlement from the U.S. government. They paid her that. I mean, well, they agreed. I don't know if she ever got her money, but they agreed. You know that she won the case in court for eighteen million dollars, and that's still up on YouTube. You can put her name in, Lynn Simoniak, and uh, I think that was connected on our website. But you know that that was that in itself. I'm not saying we did it, but we sure had a a sure a, a hand in some of oh, the yeah. came about it. So uh, all oh, things. Yeah. For a reason, and, and how many countless other people came on and said, you know, wow, this has really changed the way I think about things, and you know, it's just been tons of people that's come through and and gone, but you know, they're aware of us, and and they actually got some good out of it. So it, it all it's all good. Yeah, and the the other woman I'm thinking of that, you know, the the lady that knew how uh, the J- John Benet uh, Ramsey case had, she knew she knew she lived there. She was their neighbor. And, that got reopened. That got reopened because of our archive with her. It re- they reopened the case with a, a different district attorney and a different governor and all that. Yeah, Melinda Kula, and and see that, oh, that Kula. is is an interesting to- story, uh, and she shared some other things with it too. But you know, I always thought that was strange. How could that case the way it was? Just nothing happened about that. And and, and her analogy and her story made more sense than anything I've ever heard. And obviously, that impressed a lot of other people by the way she outlined it on our archive. And then she showed and, and played it for many people, and they reopened the case again. Incredible. I know. I have to say one thing. is it, Kelly, I don't know how long you've been on the call. I know Ray's been here almost full time and Sam. But uh, you notice how we haven't, except on after show, ever really discuss the stuff we're talking about tonight <laughs> on the program. We've, we've, we've had speakers that have come around the subject, and that's always fun. But, you know, we, we've kept it. 
more toward the collective consciousness. Now, it's always fun when someone like Sam Sula comes in like last week and goes, you're creating your own reality. (laughs) Or you're, you know, it's important that you, you know that your perceiving of these events nationally are changing them. Yeah, hey, Dee Dee. I enjoy the I enjoy uh, the episodes that are a little off the regular road. Yeah, well, that's happening more and more. Uh, what, Ray? You said something a couple minutes ago, and I wanted to ask you about it. You said that uh, awareness uh, said that uh, you know how to fix that, and you said yes. And you said you just need to if you need to slow down to do it. Can can you clue me in on on what it is that you would need to do to fix it? Oh, well, I was just, I mean, I've I've done this, you know, I work on it constantly, releasing energies and being able to filter all these energies through me that come through me. I mean, I'm I'm surprised my body, which I call, my lower self called Princess Denise. (laughs) I, I I can't believe it, you know. Uh, you know, what we've been through, but um, just if I was somewhere where I didn't have to stress out against, you know, making a living, I live alone, and, you know, take care of everything, and and all the people that I'm, uh, you know, not required, but that I'm engaged with in a way, like, that makes my life like this call and and in these other areas, and could relax and have some time to really just cleanse and fast and, you know, work on a lot of really in-depth energy work, I could make some big differences, but I okay. I just don't have that really that luxury in in the micro in the, maybe on the microcosm, but not in the not in the macro. I mean, you know that, and I that's why if I can, I like to get to the ocean, you know, for a day or two or three, you know, and just be able to empty out all that electromagnetic energy in the form of information that comes through, you know, it's just. But uh, yeah, I mean, we could all do better than we do on certain things. <laughs> and then, you know, of course, overload, overload otherwise. And uh, so it's it's yeah. fun to take on a lot of new things and all, but you can't overload it. You got it's too much stress if you do. So yeah, you're right. You gotta you gotta chill and just wind down from yeah. it. Yeah. And like I said, you yeah, gonna, keep... you're gonna be doing another energetic thing tomorrow is when you hook up with Christopher Berlin. So that'll be fun. Oh, oh, yeah, see, that kind of stuff is fun. And I used to take on way more than I, I mean, I really did, you know, on a grassroots level, feel like I gained a lot of experience and people in my life from just being willing to step in and help out. But I, I've, it's been a real challenge to learn how to slow down and, and you know, and just tending to the, the thing of the day, you know, the radiator, this, there, all that stuff. Going out and being able to go and hear Christopher Boleyn, that's going to be fun. You know, because I'm in groups of people that are at least we have commonality in in the 9/11 issue, for instance. You know, and that's always comforting because a lot of times I'm the odd man out. <laughs> you know, no matter where I go, so that's why I like to call too because I feel like I, you know, we're all at home here with this. This yeah, is he still whatever. Hmm. He had uh, something when he was last time he was on. He sold his house in Chicago and said he had to get out of there, and he moved overseas. Does he still live overseas somewhere? I don't think he didn't sell the house. Uh, that's uh, uh, that's in Hoffman Estates, and I think his brother still um, still. I- I'm assuming he he resides there because I know uh, 
that was his his parents' place, and so he 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 still owns that house, I believe. And uh, the only thing is, Christopher. Hopefully, he can get that resolved with the, the Cook County. Um, uh, I, I guess a warrant arrest that they still have for him, but. You know, he can go anywhere in the country. If he goes in Illinois and Cook County, then, of course, they'll pick him up. But, yeah, he just he felt it was better for him and his family to, to leave after he was uh, wrongly accused, and then uh, uh, they pretty well stacked the deck against him. with uh, Yeah, he fled for his life. I yeah. mean, literally, didn't he, Steve? He and his family, because yeah, Fred interviewed him. Yeah, he was, he was actually tasered in front of his wife and kids uh, yeah. on his property he was going back up the house to ask his brother to help him and these guys in SWAT you know it was it's all in our archive what uh they held him down and tasered him while he was held down and he wasn't trying to do anything just get in the house get his brother to come out and help him and and uh these guys pretty well strong-armed him so um and you know that's pretty well documented all all over youtube but uh um the whole thing is he would like to get that resolved. He would like to come back, but you know, when the deck's stacked against you, and Chris is pretty outspoken about who runs things, it's, it's we I've done shows with him before too, and that's the uh, the Zionist. And and in my opinion, I'd say Netanyahu's the most evil man on this planet. I would have to say no doubt about it. And I agree with a lot. Of Chris says I, I agree with a lot of that, and I think the guy. If it was not for Christopher, there would not be a 9-11 truth movement the way that I've seen it. Cause he was the, I call him the father of it because he was. He was reporting on it from day one. And, yeah. Uh, well, he what, had been the for, main reporter for American Free yeah, Press for Forever. I mean, he, he would have never, be, uh, never been a, a Dave Von Kleist film uh, in plain sight, Ripple Effect. There would have never been uh, the Corey Rowe and Jason Burmis and and Bill and Avery film Loose Change Second Edition. It wouldn't happen. They quoted him. They quoted Chris Bolin and his 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 writings. They they used it. Everybody used it. Even Eric Hushmit, who was one of the first ones to do a uh, a documentary on 9/11. All these documentaries took place because of the research Christopher Bolin did. It wouldn't have happened otherwise. These people would never have the information that he did the 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 hard uh, grunt work to to get the story and and. And contact uh, the the Boeing and and the plane manufacturers, the engines, uh, Pratt and Whitney about the plane engines, and and to uh, prove that that wasn't a plane that hit the uh, the Pentagon. You know, he he did the grunt work. He did it. So, um, and he wrote it. He documented it. And you know, it was uh, it was uh, it, I don't think it would have ever had the movement and the momentum if it hadn't been for the internet and for a Christopher Bolin. So. Yeah, in my, in my opinion, it would never happen. But if anybody legitimately would deserve a Pulitzer, then it would be Christopher Blunt. That would be my saying. Yeah, I agree. It's really something. Uh, I was sitting here on YouTube trying to find the lady, but before when you guys were talking about reincarnation and stuff, and there was a popular lady before the internet. She was like on Oprah, or you'd see her on TV once in a while, blonde-haired. And she'd go into a deep state, and then she would start talking like a male guy from 4,000-year-old Buddha guy or somebody from India. Mm-hmm. Channeling. Channeling. Huh? Yeah, yeah, she was channeling. 
I'm trying to think of who you're talking about. I think I know. Yeah, I mean, all the voices are always different. I've sat in front of a lot of, just had some amazing readings. In fact, without oh. them, I wouldn't have had nearly what the direction I would get. <laughs> well, what do you think of, like, if you remember that particularly, do you think she was legit or was she like... Well, yeah, I think you're talking about, uh, what's her name, Rampa, the Rampa woman that yeah, channels Rampa? Yeah, yeah Rampa. what's her name? Um, I actually have seen her before. I've been in her presence. Um, uh, Jay-Z Knight. Yeah, and she's from Washington. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of them that are really good, and they've helped lots and lots of people. You know, Bashar is another one I really love. Bashar channels an off-world group. His name is Daryl Anka, but he channels a group called Bashar, and these are in the, these are groups of off-world intelligence that that uh, Daryl's able to let go, kind of be let go of sort of mind, motion, and feeling. And then you can start channeling, and we can we're all capable of channeling higher information. We just you know don't really know that, but I can tell when I start channeling as opposed to just giving my you know sharing my what I know to be true, and so it's. And medical intuitives, they do the same thing. They they just have the gift of being able to, you know, just get the information. The information's there. All you have to do is stay open and to receive it, you know. And, and it helps if you're familiar with the field uh, that you're working in because then your language can match what you're feeling, you know. But what, uh, do you know Terrence McKenna? I know who Terrence McKenna is, or was, or still is, with probably a different reality now, for sure. <laughs> yeah, he's got a brother still around talking and being on podcasts. I didn't know. Oh, that. okay. He's yeah. popular with uh, Generation Younger right now. I don't know about, you know, it takes a certain amount of time to get to the point on the other side where you can actually, uh, are ready to you know, be called an act in a way like that through someone. I'm not so sure about that, but I'll have, I haven't have really explored it. And then another quick question, that East City Ranch, and then they're showing, you can see the globes or the... The orbs? Seeing, yeah, the orbs. Are they seeing that with the naked eye, or do you have to have those uh, fourth, those uh, night vision goggles on to see that stuff, or you just see them with the binoculars and the naked eye? Well, same with your eyes. You know, I, I've sent a picture well, you, in, in my backyard. I sent a picture to Dee. Dee. Remember that thing, all the orbs we had in our backyard? Not, we mm-hmm. took a picture of them. And when the tree uh, fell down, yeah. When the tree fell down. That was what? That, God, that's been, that's been, what, nine years ago? Dee? Yeah, and, and you, can't, you, can, you can't see. Some people can see them with the naked eye. But mostly, you know, you'd catch them, like Steve was taking pictures of the tree that fell, almost hit his house. He had to leave the call in order to make sure that, that his house didn't get hit. And when he looked at the pictures, there were all these orbs. Well, they show up all the time. And I see them in movies. I, I see them. And it's a certain um, uh, kind of digital camera that when it clicks, it puts off a certain frequency. I don't know if it's infrared or whatever that is, that clicking thing. And then you can see them. And I've been with them. I'm in a couple of orb movies, actually, where I'm pointing right my finger straight up to where I'm feeling this energy. And, and after it was filmed and we look back at it, there's a giant orb sitting right, you know, just inches, less than inches from my finger. And they were dancing all around us. James and I and a bunch of people were, you know, calling in the ships and stuff. And and then you you can see them. I mean, the whole every time we were always at a conference there, they just come flooding in the building. You know, and people from all over coming in there, and um, James and you Gillian. can see them. You know, huh? James Gillian. Yep. James, yeah. yeah. 
but I, you know what I should do is uh, send that uh, uh, send uh, the orb uh, productions that my my friends filmed up there that 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 I'm talking about. Um, and send them to you, Steve, and you can put it on a DVD because it's cool. really interesting. That'd be cool because yeah. I remember you told me about that before when we had the same conversation yeah. about nine years ago. You said, yeah, they've, they've got a, a movie out on that, Steve. Yeah, now we talked oh, about yeah. that. Yeah, I'd like to see that. I really would because, yeah, you're, you're exactly right, Didi, because I didn't know about that until I sent you the pictures. And <laughs> look at the orbs. Yeah, you're right. I didn't know they were there until after the fact. That's exactly right. Yeah, they're really they're ancient ancestors. Uh, they come back in the light body, and they they've done some really interesting things up at the ranch. They 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 can whiz around you. You know, people will be photographing, and they'll look says, "Look at that orb is whizzing around here." And they they're they and they're different colors. When I was down, when I used to go down in the fall to my friend's place in California, they had um, the woman there is very metaphysical too, and they had a. Uh, I was walking down from a cabin they had built uh, called the, the Forest House, and I was the first one to sleep in it. And I and I walked down these cement stairs, and and I was they were photographing the pond. Uh, for some reason, there was something going on. It was nighttime, and then the pictures that were taken when I came down and onto the ground, the whole front of the pond turned into these giant golden orbs, and they just they were just everywhere, and and. Uh, so they snapped the pictures and they say, come and look at this. And right away you could see the picture and there were these orbs and they were golden. They were all golden. I'd never seen that before. <laughs> so cool. What do you think of synchronicity? People are into that where there's just a like a coincidence, only it's a little bit different than a coincidence. Well, you know, I, I think it's another Mayan concept. Time is art. The time is not the Gregorian calendar. It's not, you know, odd numbers of months and odd numbers. It's 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 28 days of 13 moons, and it's it's consistent as mathematics can be, and uh, that's synchronicity because time is art. So if you live time in the moment. It, it it just becomes the art of living, and that's where synchronicity comes in because it's a vibrational match. It's a vibrational frequency. You know, you meet people, and you're with them for a season, a reason, or a lifetime, you know, and you don't always know, you know, we like we all came together because of Aaron Russo originally in the movie, but what else was there that that drew us together and has kept us together, you know? I mean, it's you can't make it happen. The catalyst, the catalyst that made huh? it made it stick the work. The catalyst that made it all stick together. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, and, and there's synchronicity everywhere, you know. And the more our lives are so much more lit up from the inside, and we have so much more available to us than we ever allow or, or we ever recognize. But when you just really, you know, like to say, go with the flow, you know, if you keep your your eye on on the on the you know on the um, the higher order or the uh, the evolution of our, our consciousness because this is the only thing that's going to save us you know I mean it is our, we're we're part of our own redemption by just keeping on that that idea of of rising above the you know the elements that aren't working here that we don't we don't prefer in our future you know so 
if you can stay that, even if it's just for five minutes a day, if you're aware that you're you you have all this stuff that is available to you to access, then it gets kind of fun because you never know who you're going to be put in front of or where you're going to be taken that day. It doesn't mean that there isn't really hard life challenges. I mean, we we all have gone through a lot of grinding of teeth in our lives, I know, and feeling like, what's the point, you know? <laughs> well, you know, like, uh, they could be... For me, they're little. They happen a lot, but and they have no meaning and they're inconsequential. But it's like wow. But like if you're talking to a friend, you're talking there in uh, Portland about a friend that you haven't, that you guys haven't seen for 20 years, and then the next day she calls you up and calls you on the phone. Oh, that happens all the time. I mean, I I used to freak my old, my former husband out because I'd say, "Would you get the phone?" And he'd say, "Well, it's not ringing," and then it would ring, right? So. <laughs> Or I'd put my hand out to answer the phone, and it would ring when my hand hit the phone. You know that kind of thing happens all the time. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Didi, I had I had many experiences like that throughout my lifetime too. Even when I was a yeah, kid. I bet kind of freaky. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, oh, what are they? Uh, oh, well, like I watch. I just happened to watch the the guy that wrote Jaws and uh, Adronomous Screen. Michael Crichton, and he died a few years back, but he had those bestseller books. He was, mm-hmm. and he's, and it was about climate change, global warming, whether it's and there's three, four as a debate, three, four, and three against, and he was one of the against. And then at the end of this hour-long lecture debate in a auditorium, by the audience applauded, and the deny the guys that were saying Crichton and those guys that are saying it's bullshit, they easily got all the applause. And then they took questions from the audience, and his guy's name was Levin or Levinson, Jewish guy, and he was a reporter from New York Times or something. And he got up and asked a question, and somebody made a joke. And then so then I looked up and googled his name to see, and then on his bio or whatever, he one of his things he mentioned was he got to play with Pete Seeger. He was into playing banjo and stuff. And flip, and that was on December fifteenth or something. And then I, and then boom, here's a news article about. The FBI had been watching Pete Seeger, and I hadn't thought of Pete Seeger. I hadn't. I used. I got some of his albums. I hadn't thought about him for 20 years. But here I watch this video of Levinson talk, and then I go check out who this Levinson reporter is. And then he said he plays as Pete Seeger. And then I just happened to be flipping the pages on the internet, and oh, here's a story about Pete Seeger. Yeah. <laughs> he was arrested. He was arrested. He was arrested and finally released. He was arrested and convicted. Yeah, you know, he was arrested as a as a like uh, he didn't ever say he was a communist. He just wouldn't answer him because it was so stupid what they were questioning him to do. I mean, he he's he, yeah. the guy cleaned up the Hudson River. My God, I mean, he he's always been peaceful. Uh, Betty Smith, who yeah. is part of this, co-founder with this, uh, and Betty's in her eighties, eighty-two. Betty Smith uh, used to go watch Pete Seeger concerts when she was real young. So, I mean, that's crazy. But, yeah, he was actually arrested and convicted. And yet, when he was a young man, a crooner, a singer, he sang for uh, Eleanor Roosevelt, uh, the first lady. I mean, mean, but, yeah, they tried to put him away. Yeah, and then they followed him or uh, tapped his phone for 20 years or the rest of his life and kept track of him. 
just like Ernest Hemingway thought he was being watched or monitored. Oh, yeah. Well, he was one of the first patriot, you know, minstrels. (laughs) He's the first freedom fighter there was as far as modern times. Yeah. Yeah, he was. But I mean, well, you guys, I got it. I'm going to have to get off the call. I got to go right now, but um, it's been great. And I really enjoyed myself. Thanks for all being there. And you guys continue talking, of course. Okay. Good night. Good night. Night, Steve. Have fun tomorrow. Tell Chris for us to say hello. I will definitely do that. No problem. (laughs) Good night. It's been a lot of fun. (laughs) Oh, I, yeah, those little synchronicities are meaningless, but yet <laughs> i got to start writing them down because they, like I'm watching uh, this old Brief Encounter. It's a, like a 1945 British, and it's about an extramarital affair. This doctor they accidentally meet at the train station. The old steam locomotive, she gets a piece of soot particle or something in her eye, and and then he, of course, like the old regular doctor line in movies, he goes, here, let me, I'm a doctor. <laughs> and that's how they meet. But just then, I got these cats sitting on the bed, sneezes, and I'm wearing glasses. And it's like, flies up like a long three-point art shot. And it's like, bam, it snot or whatever hits me right in the eye. <laughs> just when she's getting that something in her eye. And she's like, I seem to have something in my eye. And then, like, the cat goes, <laughs> but I don't know. The timing was pretty weird. And I was like, oh, shit, what do I do? i got to go flush my eye out. Or basically cat with... Talking to myself? No. No, we're here. Oh, Oh, okay. But, yeah, that's the only two recent synchronicities that I can think of. But, yeah. And then I was going to ask about the mind's the third eye, if anybody, because that's so weird. That's David Wilcock. I think he's a bullshit piece of that. He's just trying to make money and stuff. But I do appreciate. There's a lot of them out there like that. Yeah, but I do appreciate one of the videos I watched to him, and he's showing the statue. It's one of the largest statues on the outside of the Vatican on the grounds there, and it looks like a giant pine cone, but it's the pineal gland. Right. And then he learned that's been used as representation of the pineal gland and all this artwork through history. And then that's like the Egyptians called it the Aton, and then India they called it the whatever, the Bindi, where they put that spot on the center of the forehead to represent the third eye. That's right. And people, But I wonder how the hell did they know, because I think it's got something to do with the pineal gland, and that pineal gland is straight in there from that dot a few inches. Yep. Like, how did these people thousands of years ago know about <laughs> the pineal gland was? Yeah, and when you when you when you die, it bursts open. I mean, that's that's a known fact. That's a known medical fact. When you die, when you actually take your last breath and you pass on, that burst that opens up. Why? Uh-huh. There's a lot of theories about it, but you, that's undeniable. That's that's medically proven. So. Yeah, that you know, uh, gland opens when you when you actually die. So I've heard that that's one of the reasons for fluoride that it it'll help screw up or mess up how the pineal gland works or something like that. Scary thought. Scary thought. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. interesting. I'm glad you brought that up. I haven't thought about that in a long time, but 
Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting interesting thought. Yeah, that Graham Hancock had an article on his website today of, of a guy that was showing examples of it in Egyptian artwork and Indian India artwork throughout time. Yep. It's, uh, huh. Yeah, shucks. I'm surprised the trucker didn't get on here tonight. He must be. Jay Bird. Yep. He didn't make it. He's he's uh he had, he was on here last week I think but yeah Jay must be have have something going on. So. Yeah. Ray still there? Yeah, Ray's with us. Hadn't heard from Jim Palmasano tonight either. No, that's oh. right. Yeah, he didn't come on either. You know, I noticed. I was I pleasantly noticed. But well, you can mail, always, you can always mail. talk. Holler out for uh, Mel Davis, right, Ray? With two L's. Mel Davis. Mel Davis. <laughs> what about what about you Sam? Might... Is Sam still with us tonight? Yep, he's he's muted, but he's with us. Yeah. Does someone yeah. want to talk to me? <laughs> oh my. <laughs> <laughs> This would be Mel, I'm thinking. A-U-N, American Underground Network.